Chapter 35 of Cutlass and Cudgel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. Cutlass and Cudgel by George Manville Fenn. Chapter 35. As the midshipmen reached the deck, it was to find that there was a light mist on the water, and that the lieutenant was at the side with Gurr, where they were watching a boat coming in from seaward. The cutter was back not far from her old moorings, and the great cliffs of the shore were dimly visible. "'Lobster boat, sir,' said Gurr, as Archie came behind them. "'Never mind. I'll overhaul her. I'm going to be suspicious of everything now. Take the boat, and—ah, to be sure—' Mr. Raystoke, take the boat and see what those fellows mean. They're making straight for the ledge, and there is no one to buy lobsters there. Aye, aye, sir. That familiar sea-going reply seemed to ring out of the lad's throat, and afforded him a pure feeling of delight. No more groping about in the darkness, biting his nails, and feeling heart-sick with despondency, but the full delight of freedom and an active life. No lad ever sprang to his work with more alacrity, and as he leaped into the boat and the men dropped their oars there was a hearty look of welcome in each smiling face she has just gone into the mist there mr raystoke said the lieutenant but she's making straight for that ledge and you can't miss her one moment if the men seem all right and honest as to what they are going to do see if you can get any information but be on your guard as they'll send you perhaps on some fool's errand aye aye sir cried archie again as he took the handle of the tiller now my lads give way the mist was patchy thin here and thick there but it seemed an easy task to overtake the boat which had glided into the fog going slowly with her little sail set and with only a man and boy for crew she was about a mile away from the cutter and about a quarter of that distance from the land when she passed out of sight and the possibility of not overtaking her never entered the midshipman's head all the same though he was well enough trained in his duties to make him keep a sharp lookout on either side as they crept in to make sure that the boat did not slip away under the cliffs to right or left unseen the mist grew more dense as they neared the towering cliffs then it seemed to become thinner and just as the midshipman was thinking to himself how glorious it would be if the man and boy in the boat should prove to be his old friends ram and jemmy dad there came a peculiar squeaking sound from somewhere ahead lowering sail sir said dirty dick who was pulling first oar then we have not missed them thought archie as the men pulled steadily on with the rushing plunging sound of the waves beginning to be heard as they washed the foot of the cliffs i'll be bound to say it's ram and that big scoundrel oh what a chance to get them aboard in irons and under hatches for them to have a taste of what they gave me it seemed perfectly reasonable that those two should have been off somewhere in a boat and were now returning who more likely to be making for the ledge which as far as he could judge was a point or two off to the right all at once after a few minutes pulling the boat glided right out of the bank of mist which hung between them like a soft gray veil while in front lit up by the first beams of the morning sun was the great wall of cliff the ledge over which the waves washed gently the green pasture high up and the ledges dotted with gray and white gulls 
the picture was lovely in the extreme but it wanted two things in archie's eyes to make it perfect and those two things were a background formed by the great cliff down which he had crept and the feature which would have given it life and interest to wit the fishing boat containing ram and jemmy dad hold hard my lads cried the midshipman and the men ceased rowing holding their oars balanced with the diamond-like drops falling sparkling from their blades into the clear sea while the boat glided slowly on towards the ledge which was just in front why where's the boat cried archie excitedly as he swept the face of the cliff with his eyes she ain't here sir said dick well i can see that my man can she have slipped aside and let us pass no said one of the other men sides sir she was just afore us ten minutes ago and we heard her lowering her mast and sail could that have been a gull what make a squeak like a wheel in a block no sir not it then they have run her up on the ledge and dragged her into one of the holes give way the men pulled in quickly and at the end of a few minutes they were as close to the side of the ledge as it was safe to go for as the waves ran in the larger ones leaped right over the broad level space washing it from end to end but there was no sign of the boat and the midshipmen hesitated about believing that the man and boy could have taken advantage of a good wave and run her right on it's strange said archie aloud as he sat there thinking that if he chose his time right he might make his men pull the boat in upon a wave let them jump out and drag her up the rocks but he shook his head for he knew that if everything was not done to the moment the boat would be stove in hello what are you shaking your head about he said sharply to dick nothing sir only you said it was strange well isn't it strange ay sir so's the flying dutchman what why you do not think any of that superstitious nonsense about the boat do you well sir i don't know i only says where's the boat now she couldn't have got away no said another of the men she couldn't have landed there nonsense cried archie angrily absurd who ever heard of a phantom lobster boat dick shook his head and then sat playing with the handle of his oar you dick cried archie you're a goose there it will not be safe to land my lads here you two jump ashore as we back in mine just as the sea's off the ledge and run up and have a good look around the boat turned backed in and seizing the right moment the men jumped on to the rock just as the water was only ankle deep had a good search round and came back to be picked up again safely though the boat was within an ace of being capsized but they had seen nothing there was no boat and they searched along some distance east turned back to the ledge and went west still without elucidation of the mystery then they went as close under the cliffs as they dared go in the hope of finding some cavern or passage through the rocks that escaped notice from outside all in vain and obeying the signal now flying on the cutter the boat was rowed back well mr raystoke where's the boat i don't know sir we never got sight of her then you must have been asleep cried the lieutenant angrily there breakfast my lads and be smart after the meal gurr was left in the charge of the cutter while the lieutenant accompanied archie to search for the high cliff 
which contained the old quarry, and they rode east for a couple of miles in vain. But, after pulling back to the starting point, and making for the other direction, they had not gone four hundred yards under the cliff, before the midshipman exclaimed excitedly, There! That's the place! There! Then why didn't you say so when we were on deck? You could have seen it there. I could not tell without seeing it close in, sir, and besides, it looks so different from right out yonder. But are you sure this is right? Oh, yes, sir. Look, that's the place, where there is that narrow rift, and if you look high up, there is a hole. There, I can see it plainly. Hm. Can you? Well, I cannot. But you can see that broad ledge, sir, about two hundred feet up. That's where I climbed down to, and we had the struggle, that boy and I. No, I can't see any ledges, Mr. Raystoke. There may be one there, but if you had not been upon it, I do not believe you would know there was one. Archie looked up at the towering pile of rock, and was obliged to own that he was right. He shivered slightly as he swept the face of the cliff, for the various points that had helped him in his descent and as he gazed out there in cold blood it seemed to have been an extremely mad idea to have attempted the descent well it is impossible to land here continued the lieutenant you are certain that this is the place certain sir good then we'll go back to the cutter and this evening a strong party shall land i'll lead them myself and we'll try and surprise them it's quite likely that the signals i saw last night may mean business for tonight if so we shall be on the spot won't you go at once archie ventured to observe no certainly not what would be the good we would be watched of course and the scoundrels could signal from hill to hill and our every step would be known this evening my lad at dusk now lads give way the boat was rowed rapidly from under the shadow of the mighty cliff and the midshipman could not repress a shudder as he noticed how swiftly the current ran right out to sea, and fully realized what would have been the consequences to anyone who had tried to swim along the coast if he had managed to descend in safety to the cliff foot. Back on board the cutter there was a fair amount of bustle and excitement among the men, for, after months of unfruitful hanging about the coast, chasing luggers which proved to be empty, following false leads to get them off the scent, or out of the way when contraband goods were to be landed, here was genuine information at last, the smugglers having, after such long immunity, placed themselves in the hands of the king's men. Consequently, cutlasses were being filed up, pistols carefully examined as to their flints and nicked off to see that they threw a good shower of sparks into the pans, and the men sat and talked together as eagerly as if they were about proceeding upon a pleasant jaunt, instead of upon a risky expedition, which might result in death to several, and certainly would in serious injury. Yes, the lieutenant said, rats will run away as long as they can, but when driven to the end of their holes, they will fight. But will they dare, do you think, sir? said Archie. Dare? Yes, my lad. You had a bit of a taste of it the other night, when they were surprised in the lane. They will be more savage in their holes, and therefore, as you are so young, I should like you to go with the men, show them the way, and then leave them to the work. Archie stared at him. Yes, I mean it. Of course, as an officer, you cannot shrink from your duty, but, as you are a mere boy, 
it is not your duty to go and fight against strong men who are sure to get the better of you but they are not all men there sir said the midshipman with a look of disappointment getting heavier in his face there's a boy there that young rascal who came after the cow i owe him such a thrashing that i must have a turn at him ah that's different said the lieutenant and it will keep up appearances but take care to confine yourself to fighting with him and er i would not use my pistol ray stoke not shoot sir well no i want to destroy this wasp's nest but in as merciful a way as possible i have given orders to the men and i wish you to mine too i don't want to kill the wasps but to make them prisoners yes sir i see they are not french wasps or dutch wasps but english you understand quite sir that's right another hour and you may be off you think you can find the place i do not feel a doubt about it sir well it's going to be a dark night and you and mr gurr will have to be careful over your men you had better keep as close to the cliff as you can for of course the entrance must be somewhere near i have given mr gurr full instructions you are to search and find the place and if found hold it but if you do not find it you will be back on board by daybreak and another expedition must be made by day if we can surprise them by night when they think all is safe it may save bloodshed if we are obliged to go by day they will have good warning and be prepared to receive us though they may be now i wish i was going with you but that cannot be End of chapter 35